good morning once again, Calvary Church. My name is Matt Doan, and I'm joined here by my dear friend, my colleague in ministry, our REACH local pastor, John Smalley. Can we give it up for John right here? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so we'll be kind of dialoguing through our passage and theme here this morning between the two of us, which uh, all during COVID, we've been going through the wonderful book of Hebrews. But we pushed pause in our study of Hebrews uh, in the middle of September and then in this month in October because it was really on our heart as the leadership here at Calvary that we needed to remind ourselves and remind our church family that we are more than an audience. And one of the, the blessings, the benefits of COVID season has been that we've been able to do live stream. And even as the church physically couldn't meet, we were able to still gather and meet around our screens. But <laughs> I think one of maybe the downsides of that is we got pretty comfortable sitting on our couches with our cup of coffee just watching. Can I hear an amen if you were in that boat or in that boat? I know amen. for me that was really nice. But we want to encourage us as followers of Jesus, as part of the family of God here at Calvary Church, we're not just called to watch. We are called to be more than an audience. Reminds me of when I was in high school. And at my high school in Northern California, every once in a while, you'd hear the word fight, fight. And the entire school would rush towards the quad or wherever the voice was coming from. And there'd be two typical guys squaring off against one another. Uh, this is a scene from uh, the great movie Karate Kid. This is actually a deleted scene. You don't see this in the movie of Johnny and Daniel about to fight at their school. So at my experience in high school, they'd, someone would yell, fight, fight. And as a member sophomore, 15-year-old kid running over to this area, two guys squaring off. And this part of me wanted to stop it. Probably the pastoral part of me coming out as a 15-year-old. But I wanted to jump in and, and say, no, this isn't right. Like, you're going to hurt each other. Don't do this. But then there was the other part of me that was like, uh, I'm not qualified to jump in to this. There's probably somebody else that, that definitely is going to jump in and break this up at, at some point. And so I just kind of sat back and became more than or just like an audience. Um, Maybe you don't resonate with anything I said after a Karate Kid, but what I want you to hear in this is that we're called not to say it's for somebody else. No, this is our calling as followers of Jesus, a part of Calvary Church. And so we've been talking in the last few weeks about the idea of that being more than an audience is that we participate in worship. We, we seek out spiritual friendship. We're part of community. We talked last week about being generous Christians with our, our time and, and our finances. And today, John and I want to have a conversation about this idea that, that being more than an audience also involves loving our neighbors. Mm -hmm. In the context that we're talking about here today, we're talking about your geographical neighbors. Now, your neighbor is really anyone that you come across in your life. But today, we want to talk about those that God's called you to live around. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, the wonderful book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 14. And we read the Apostle Paul with this call to the church. He says this in Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, again, Paul's the one that is saying this. Paul, before he became a believer in Jesus, 
was the Jew of Jews. He was a religious zealot. He understood the law. And so it adds some weight when Paul, now as a Christian, says the whole law can be summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, going back to Paul's pre-conversion life, uh, his neighbor was very defined for him uh, in his religious worldview. His neighbor did not involve anyone who was not Jewish. A Gentile would not be included in his neighbor. In fact, in Paul's way of thinking before Jesus, a woman wouldn't be considered a neighbor to him. There was a huge fence and barrier around who uh, you were liable to or responsible to to be your neighbor. Of course, there's a little caveat for the alien and foreigner every once in a while. But for Paul's world, your neighbor was clearly defined as those that thought and acted and looked like you. Now Paul becomes a follower of Jesus and everything changes. He goes and he's, he's called to the Gentiles. And he says these words in that context. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul was a missionary, so to speak. Mm-hmm. John, you grew up here at Calvary. Yep. Uh, you were a pastor in Idaho. And then the Lord, in his great sense of humor and calling, yep. called you overseas to be a full-time missionary, you and your wife and kids. That's right. It's given you a unique kind of, I guess, lens of what it looks like to be a neighbor, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we were Calvary missionaries for, for several years. And just recently on staff now, uh, just for a couple months as the reach local pastor. And it is an incredible, like, it's a little bit of a mind trip to think from, uh, from the age of six, mm-hmm. sitting in these seats, getting poured into and, and loved and supported and encouraged um, to be a part of encouraging and loving and supporting that church that just spent so much, you know, blood, sweat, and tears pouring into me. Um, Amen. So it's an honor to be up here, first off, and uh, to be able to be sent, you know, by God anywhere, first to Idaho, like you said, and then to Indonesia. Um, but I want to back up way early on and just let you know that in, in these seats, I was definitely 100% the audience. Mm. And out in, you know, in school with my friends outside, that was like the real me. This kind of little bit edgy, mostly inappropriate humor, uh, short-tempered kind of rage monster building up, and then on Sunday morning, I was I was very the good boy. Good John. Good John. Yeah, yeah. I knew how to be good boy, mm-hmm. and that got me far from what I thought. Right, kind of on sun, on Sunday mornings, but I was I was just playing a different game, and it wasn't until college that that world, those worlds kind of collided. Mm. And it was, it was kind of mind-blowing. I was, I was an athlete at, at California Baptist University and on, a, on the water polo team. And one of my teammates, once I had a friend over from, from Calvary come, come visit us, and he said, you are a completely different person when they're around. Mm. And I didn't know like, that I had been found out. I didn't realize that, that those two worlds could be seen that clearly. And it was a grace of God to have that called out in me, mm-hmm. absolutely, because God wants to deal with the real me, like the, the, the one that he created, right? right? The one that he, that he loves and is like, hey, this is you. You're, you've got this, this comedy, this, this bit of wit. You've got this like competitive drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and my teammates love that side of me. 
and, I, and it built the team up as well, right? So the question was how to build up like the body of Christ using, using those gifts and uh, just who he had created. Um, and how that relates with neighboring is neighbors can like spot a phony. Right. God can spot a phony, right? So the first part of us going to, we went to Indonesia was just like being ourselves. And, and when we got overseas, we saw like that, that kind of fruit because I tried to make these jokes in the Indonesian language and they didn't go over <laughs> great, but you could kind of see like, oh, okay, he's trying to connect and to have fun. Um, badminton is huge in Indonesia, absolutely huge. Mm. And my like drive to just get better and to win um, over just about six months of training, I was invited into all these different clubs because they wanted to play with the Westerner who kind of got heated, you know, <laughs> when things got tense. But that all was like bridge building, and it was all just God using what he had created. Mm -hmm. um, and so being real, being, being vulnerable, we are exposed. Mm -hmm. Out in Indonesia, your neighbors are just looking at you, wondering, what are you about? What's your story? Right. Um, and, and you really wanted that to, to kind of match, like, like, well, who I am, making mistakes and all, yeah. and trying to just kind of make things right, all added up to being able to enter into deeper and deeper relationship um, in Indonesia. But being that exposed and vulnerable and open, um, it comes with its, its ups and downs, sure. right? Highs and lows. And as I was preparing for, for this morning, came across uh, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, this guy, if you want to talk about a guy that's real, right? <laughs> like the Jeremiah, the, the list of woes and complaints. So, so Jeremiah 20, is, you know, starting at verse 7, is just called the complaint of Jeremiah, right? And he, for years, had this message that he, was, had, that he had brought, and nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear this year after year. And so the guy is just, he's beat up. Mm -hmm. and, and starting in verse 7, he's talking to God. And he said, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. <laughs> like, how does that sound? Right. All day long. Yeah. Everyone's mocking him. The word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. I haven't really heard that sermon, right? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> right. All day long, this guy's being insulted. And I don't know if you've, if you've felt like that, if you've had, you know, different instances throughout your life where maybe 2020, mm -hmm. God, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Like, we've been faithful. What's, what's happening right now? Um, and so this guy is just beat. Right? And then his very next words um, are some of the most incredible that, mm. that I've even um, read. And he says, but if I say I will not mention his word, I will not mention God's word, or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Wow. Like, the name and the word of God is a fire in his bones. I'm kind of a literal guy, so I'm like, how does that feel? Yeah. Right? And so I'm trying to understand what, 
what is in, what is in me that I, I'm weary of holding it in? Like, I just have to let it out. Mm-hmm. And just this idea of, like, good news, or great news, maybe, right? Like, I get good news, and I go, oh, I need to share this. Mm-hmm. This has to, people need to know this. I can't, I can't hold this inside. It's too good. Um, on Tuesday, I end up selling a car. I sold an old car that we had to kind of fix up the car that we, we got now. And I put it on Craigslist, and I'm like, missionary economics. We buy really high and sell really low, <laughs> right? It's just like, this is a bad idea. Um, I don't want to be on Craigslist right now. I don't know who's scamming me. All that to say, this guy comes with his wife. They look at the car. They're just beating it up, driving, slamming on the brakes. They're like, oh, it seems okay. Bottom line, what do you want for it? And I had already had that kind of asking price on there. And so, of course, I just blurt out this low number. <laughs> I'll take this. And he's like, ah, what about a little bit over what you've asked for? And he ends up just giving me more than what I had asked. In Orange County. In Orange County. Someone gave you more for yeah. your car than you asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I don't feel good about this. Like, the windshield, you can see, it's got a lightning bolt across it. Like, you're going to need that cash to fix this thing up. And he just simply said, I just feel like God wanted me to bless somebody today. And I think your car is going to work well for us. I can still fix it up. So I called my wife, Joy, right after, right after we signed the paperwork. I talked to my dad, who encouraged me to go on Craigslist. And I'm heading back to the office. I talked to you. Anybody else on my way, I'm just like, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. Right? And I was like, hey, there's like a little fire in my bones. I had to get this good news out. Yeah. Um, but then in the next line, after, after Jeremiah says it, he says, all my friends are waiting for me to slip. He's like on a roller coaster, right? And when I read this, all my friends are waiting for me to slip. What are his enemies doing? (laughs) Right? These are his friends. And uh, I kind of resonated with that a little bit as people are just looking in from the outside. Okay, I know you say you're a Christian, but I'm sure you're going to do something here that's going to blow everything. And I really believe, like there there was a long span of time that I believed I had to be perfect or else I would lose my witness. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was like said to me. And I'm like, okay, I know I can't be perfect, so I'll just pretend. Mm-hmm. I'll act perfect. Um, but what I discovered is that in my uh, imperfection, in my mistakes, especially like in Indonesia with my neighbors, like massive cultural just faux pas. Just, right. I've offended the world right now. <laughs> um, I confused two words. One was assault, and the other was unrighteousness, because they rhyme. Yeah. And when I was telling somebody, like, oh, we season our words with salt, like, oh, this makes great sense, and I ended up saying we season our words with unrighteousness. <laughs> I said it with such conviction, like, yes, this is what you're supposed to do. And, and in Indonesia, it's majority Muslim, right. and this is not a good word, unrighteousness. Filth is not a good word. So um, all that to say, like, going back and making that right bridged that relationship so much more than me trying to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? And so it's difficult, it's scary to, to put yourself out there, to, to kind of be exposed, um, to be real. But the next line, he, he, Jeremiah brings us back and he says, the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. What is a dread warrior? 
Most translations have this as, as mighty or almighty warrior, which I kind of can understand, okay, mm-hmm. mighty warrior. But I wanted a key on this. What's dread? Um, I went online, like you do, mm-hmm. searching for what is a dread warrior, and one of these images popped up here. And I thought, oh, man, if I had this guy, like if I believed this guy was by my side, what would I be afraid to do? Like, what conversation would I be afraid of having? You know, I could could walk across the street. I could go go anywhere if I knew this guy was in my corner, right? And so I just love this uh, image that Jeremiah says, God is with me like a dread warrior, and he's with us, right? And um, in a little bit, kind of talk why we're going to need this dread warrior right. on our side. But, um, but those are kind of just kind of some of my experiences overseas. Mm-hmm. And what's great about working with Matt is that he has like that, the digging, digging roots into his neighborhood. While we've moved 20 times or something, mm-hmm. you know, Matt has been really a fixture in your home. So like, what is that like to be so, have, live so long? In, you, in one neighborhood. Yeah, so I mean, basically what I'm hearing you saying too is that it's not about being perfect. It's about bringing yourself to the table, allowing God to use you in the opportunities that he gives you. And you have a warrior mm-hmm. by your side as you love your neighbors. Yeah. It's so good. And yeah, as you said, you've moved a bunch of times. Marie and I and our kids, we've actually stayed in the same house for the last 20 years. Um, you actually saw Tim Nellis was in front of our house on that, on that video right there. And when we first moved in, Marie and I had huge illusions of grandeur, that we are going to transform our entire neighborhood in Santa Ana, that in everyone that we come in contact will know Jesus Christ. And, and I'll have to say, after 20 years, I don't want to be falsely modest, like God's used us, like especially my wife Marie, she has had a huge impact in our neighborhood, and I just praise God for that. But also after 20 years, you begin to feel a little disillusioned, like uh, it's just not happening like I thought it would. It's not, my whole world's not changing. And I came across this great line um, from the book of Galatians chapter 6. So if you're in 5, go over to 6 verse 9. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary. I think a lot of us need to hear that today. Just in general, (laughs) in our lives, we need to hear this truth. But also when it comes to loving our neighbors in our neighborhood. Let's not lose heart in doing good to our neighbors. Because we know in due time that God will use us. God will, will plant those seeds and then allow them to come to a harvest. So, so don't give up. Don't lose heart. This phrase here in Galatians 6, 9 is actually plural. It's speaking to a community. It's speaking to the church. And so Calvary Church, we even just say to you this morning, don't lose heart as we reach our neighbors. And then it says in due time, God's clock is never off schedule. I think we need to hear that again this morning. God's timing is always perfect. In due time... He'll use you with your neighbors. And then we'll reap if we do not grow weary. If you read the context of Galatians 6, it talks about you reap what you sow. This idea that over time as we pray and invest in our neighbors, God will produce fruit. Everybody know what this photo is right here? 
Some nice strawberry. Wouldn't that be good right now over like some pancakes or French toast? Or... I'll dip it in chocolate. Okay, or chocolate this morning. My buddy Jerry uh, lives in Irvine, and he's off of Jeffrey and the 5 Freeway uh, is where his house is. He's driven from Jeffrey to the 5 Freeway probably for the last 15 years, three to four times a day. During COVID, though, his life slowed down a little bit, and one day Jerry was driving on Jeffrey, and he looked over to his left, and he saw the strawberry farms over there off of Jeffrey, and he saw a bunch of workers taking a water break. Jerry's driven by that field hundreds of times, even seen the workers out there, but never felt anything or compelled to do anything about it. He was an audience in a sense. Jerry, though, this summer, driving past the fields, looked over, saw those guys taking a break, and the Holy Spirit just put them on his heart. Jerry ended up pulling a U-turn. He had a case of Costco waters in the back of his truck. Jerry pulled over to the workers, got out of the truck, brought the case of water over, and then kind of sheepishly, shyly said, like, could you guys use these waters? The workers took the waters happily, Jerry has not missed a Saturday all summer. And that's evolved. Now he brings water. He brings lunch. There's a whole team that comes and pops up an easy up. They're talking about giving free massages to the workers that are out there, encouraging them, blessing them. Jerry's whole world's changed since he's he's noticed this this summer. Don't give up. In due time, God will reap what you invest in as you follow him. We've been asking our church to pray Luke 10 too. It's this idea that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord, go into the harvest, bring more workers. And this is our prayer. I encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, set your alarms on your phone, in your home, on your microwave oven, wherever it's going to remind you. Pray at 10.02. Pray that God would send more workers into the harvest, not only overseas, but here in Orange County as well. And maybe you're the answer to your own prayer, as God uses you in your neighborhood. Do not lose heart. And then speaking of prayer, something we really want to invite you to participate within starting today. And We've been fired up about this oh, for yeah. weeks, and we're yeah. excited to tell you yeah. about this right now. It's called yep. Pray and Go. That's so right. So tell us about what yeah. Pray and Go is. It's, it could change everything, really. Like, this is a massive, massive initiative to pray for every household within a five-mile radius of Calvary Church. So we want to have boots on the ground, walking from neighborhood to neighborhood, praying over in front of every door, really. Um, and that, and that we're not just going to, you know, stop at that, like, parameter. We want um, everyone, everyone's neighborhood represented here, represented out in the courtyard and fellowship at home. We want all of your neighborhoods represented in that as well, as well as within life groups. Mm-hmm. And so coming up is a four-week course called Pray and Go, and it's going to just share more of the heart and just equip us to really consider, hey, there's this dread warrior by my side. Let's go out and walk the streets of our neighborhoods and our community. And there's something that we lost in Indonesia about that first year because we got transportation. And we used to walk everywhere, and it would take you forever to do anything. Um, 
and we became super efficient people, right? <laughs> we weren't sweating anymore on the streets. We were in our little AC car getting from place to place. We could get all our shopping done like half a day, but we started passing by opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, not noticing anything, yeah. right? It was just, I'm here, and then I'm going to get there. Uh, and God, another grace of God, he just reminded us, hey, slow down, take a walk. And, and once again, we would walk our neighborhoods and we would smell something rather mm -hmm. unpleasant or pleasant. <laughs> you know, you'd see the broken sidewalk, you'd hop over the, the sewer grate, you'd look directly at your neighbor in their eye, right? Like all of these things that, um, that pray and go can do for us. It can just slow us down, like take a breath, mm. right? And just go out your door, hang a left, mm. and just walk by those houses saying, God, I just want you to bless this house. Like if there's a relationship that wants to be rebuilt or restored, um, make a way for that. And then go on to the next house, right? We even have like a, uh, a little door hanger for those neighborhoods that that's like appropriate um, and safe. You know, you don't wanna jump over the gate, fight a dog just to hang up this door hanger, but it simply says that we've prayed for you, right? So I just want to encourage you all to get involved in in this initiative. Um, if you're in a life group, then that is where you'll get like these hangers and go through that course. Um, if you're not in a life group, shoot me an email and you can join mine. We're gonna start this evening, seven o'clock. It'll go for four weeks. Um, then after that, you know, you can jump into another life group unless you wanna stay with us. Um, and yeah, we'll just get fully mobilized to go out with our dread warrior. Amen. And hit the, hit the area. But what I'd like to do is like pray together, uh, you know, as like a practice. Because mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to be, people that pray. And so we're going to have a few minutes actually in your seat or on your feet. If you want to assume any kind of prayer posture, um, I'm going to guide us through some prompts. And then you just pray however you want. If you want to pray Indonesian style, lift your hand up. If you just want to sit quietly... You can do that too, um, but we're gonna spend a few moments. I'm gonna just read a prompt and then we'll just spend some time praying for that and then, and then we'll jump into the next one. So first thing that, that we wanna pray for is just thanking God for things that we've experienced this year. So let's spend a few moments thanking God. So let's pray as a church right now. So next thing we want to do is share some of your frustrations with him right now. I know it's been a hard year. We might need even more time <laughs> for that. So just, uh, just pray, pray out some of your frustrations to him right now.
Okay, so now we want to just pray for someone. Pray for one name that God's got on your heart. Pray for him to do a miraculous work in this person's life. So pray for them and then really ask God what your role is in this person's life as well. So let's spend some time praying for that. God, I just thank you so much for how much you love us, Lord. Thank you that we can come to you anytime, anywhere. God, I pray for opportunities this week to interact with those around us, with our neighbors, Lord. I pray for opportunities to reconnect, to restore, rebuild relationship with those living just across the street from us, God. So give us opportunities this week. God, we love you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're really excited about just equipping our church, challenging us to go out into our neighborhoods to pray. Both John and I have been comparing notes all week, and we've both had really difficult weeks, sleepless nights this week. In fact, Thursday night I woke up with probably the worst dream I've had uh, and that I can remember in years of just hitting on one of my deepest fears. Um, I, I wonder if it's spirit. I know it's spiritual warfare. That the enemy did not want John and I to share this encouragement, this equipping with our church family here. He does not want us as a church to get out of the audience and go prayer walk our neighborhoods. Because the enemy knows that when the people of Calvary Church pray over their neighbors, God will change everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. God will change our neighborhoods. God will change our neighbors. God will change us as we step out in prayer. So please, don't just hear this message and go, that's nice, good for you. No, let's step out of the audience. Let's engage in praying over those that God so dearly loves. God loves them so much that as the message translation uh, writes so well, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) Isn't that good? Jesus came into our world. Jesus became our neighbor. Not because of anything that he had done, but because of what we had done as as sinners before a holy God. Jesus lived among us as our neighbor. Jesus died for his neighbors. Jesus died for you and I. And then Jesus rose again. Overcoming sin, conquering death. Jesus is alive today. And that's the message we want to be have fire in our bones as Jeremiah did, telling our neighbors this good news. And so let's pray again. Let's invite God. Send us, equip us, move us out of the audience. And so let's pray once again. Father, I just pray that you truly would get us out of our, so to speak, seats in our neighborhood. And God, would you boldly and courageously be our dread warrior who leads us to pray over those that are far from you. And even those that are connected to you, God, may we equally just have a heart for those that you've placed us with. We pray pray this all in the name of the one who saves, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.